Welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. My name is Carrie Wooten, and through this podcast, we're going to be speaking to people from across the media industry to learn about their education, their career paths, and their job roles. We'll discover what has motivated them and led them to undertake a career in the industry and what has kept them working within it. Where we can, we'll show as many links to organisations and individuals who can support and guide you through your journey into the media industry. We really hope you enjoy this series. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Sarah McGettigan, who is the head of television at Pinewood Studios. Sarah and I met a couple of years ago through an industry event, and I'm so pleased she said yes to joining me on the podcast today. She has a wealth of experience and knowledge to share about the media industry, and I know this discussion is going to be absolutely fascinating. Sarah studied TV and video production at Bournemouth University, while simultaneously undertaking runner jobs across some of the most well-known post-production houses in London. In 2002, she secured a job as a resource coordinator at Pinewood Studios and has not looked back since. With 20 years experience in arguably the most famous film and TV studios in the world, Sarah will undoubtedly have many stories to share. Sarah, welcome to the Media Careers podcast. Oh, very happy to be here, Gary. Thank you. So with this podcast, one of the things that we want to do is find out about you as a child and find out what your education pathway was like as much as your career pathway. So I think we'll start there, if that's okay, and find out a little bit what you were like as a child. And did you have any particular interests or hobbies? Were they creative? Did you think that you might go into this area? So what were you like as a a young person? I was uh, speaking to my parents last night. Uh, they obviously remember it. I think I, I was I was quite bright at school. Um, that you know, fairly academic. It came quite easily to me, um, and quite what was back then called bossy, and <laughs> nowadays is good organisational skills. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I enjoyed school. I was uh, I was lucky. Um, I wasn't one of the cool kids, but I wasn't one of the uncool kids either. I had you know a nice group of friends. And yes, school days were were good. Um, I did have a few hobbies. I liked sport. I still liked sport and played hockey. Um, And then I also really did like theatre. Realised quite early on that I was completely talentless. Um, (laughs) We're not completely talentless because you're working in the media field. Well, yes, but no, can't sing, can't dance, can't act. Can't can't do any of those things. (laughs) Zero threat, I think we're cool. Um, (laughs) But also learnt that the good organisational skills meant that I could you know in any um, school production I was always behind the scenes I was always the studio manager or the you know the not set designer but getting the props in and getting it all organised and that was yeah. good for me that was close enough I was fine with that yeah um, if I ever did get a part in a play it was always the narrator uh, <laughs> okay. never got a costume always on the corner <laughs> of the stage in my uniform um, <laughs> so like I say, I knew I liked theatre, I knew I liked creative things, but um, yeah, always liked being on the organisational side rather than in front of the camera. Yeah, and I think that's really important. The organ- Obviously, that any industry needs organisation behind it, but recognising that you already at that young age that you could have those skills and still be involved in a creative environment, I think it's really important for young people to understand because if you can't, as you say, if you're trying to get into the industry but actually think that you don't have those skills there's so much so many other skills and knowledge and expertise that's needed to ensure that everything happens so I think that's really interesting that as a young age you'd already clocked that actually that was something that you could you you were good at and that you could then be involved in 
those theatre productions. Absolutely, they're sort of, you know, close enough, but you don't have to be in it, you have to be around it, and, Mm. you know, and it's still as exciting and, I think, better. Yeah, 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 (laughs) really interesting. So then, were you aware of the media industry? You were talking about theatre, but did the media kind of filter into your, on your radar at all, did it? It did, um, because my dad worked for Channel 4. Um, He wasn't involved at all in the creative side of it. He was HR and management, but we knew, obviously, he worked in telly. So, no, because his job sort of sounded quite boring, to be honest, (laughs) when I was a child. It wasn't. But, you know, um, you know, he sort of wrote letters and had telephone calls and stuff, you know, rather than was in, he wasn't in the studio or wasn't anywhere involved in that side. He'd get invited to some quite nice parties. And I thought, well, I'd quite like to be invited to nice parties when I grow up. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was on my radar and and radio as well. It was like sport and music were two things that I really liked and sort of listening to the radio. I sort of remember thinking, oh, I wonder how you do that and then yeah. couldn't find out and kind of forgot about it. But yeah, look, watched a lot of TV, listened to a lot of radio. And as you say, I think it's really important for people to think about what they enjoy and then think about what they're good at and find some sort of Venn diagram in the middle of that you know Mm. my son loves football is not good enough to be a professional footballer you know he's 12 now it's not you know it's clear that he's not going to make it but you know saying to him you could be a referee you could be a sports journalist you could Uh be a you know all sorts of things that are still in football but not a footballer yeah um yeah, and there's such a breadth of opportunity, isn't there, within the field that you that you love and have a great yes. passion and interest in. So, what did you end up studying at GCSE? Then did you did you did you have those that kind of media theatre on your radar at that age? Was it something you were like, okay, I'm going to take this forward? I don't think it was an option, to be honest. Uh, no, I, okay, the yeah, school might not I be. went to, I did drama just because it was fun, um, as opposed to you know any sort of. I can't remember. I think it was drama or art and I was rubbish at art. So I did drama and then obviously all the the usual core subjects. And sadly, to kids listening, they are important. Yeah, <laughs> the really, core subjects. Really <laughs> important. Um, I, I didn't like maths. I wasn't I wasn't bad at it, but I, I really found it very, very boring. And the way it was taught as well was was, you know, if you need to measure a field and I'd be like, I will never, ever need to measure a field in my entire life. So I'd literally switch off. Um, but obviously now I have to measure things quite often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's the thing, isn't it? It's understanding how it impacts real life, your real life when you do exactly. go into the world of work. Exactly. And I was like, I like. will never need to, you know, I'm not going to run a sweet shop, so whatever. <laughs> I but... don't need to get count 100 sweeties in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it does, it does come up. So the core subjects are important. And were you, and were you academic at that point? Were you like, actually, I'm just going to get my head down pack on get my GCSEs fairly yes um I I, like I say I was fairly sort of naturally bright in GCSE terms because it's quite a lot of remembering stuff yeah um so I I was fine and I got good GCSEs and again I was fairly normal and you know I wasn't out being all cool and (laughs) sassy I was just doing what I had to do I wasn't very good at doing my homework but I did it eventually Mm -hmm. um and yeah, it was just, I mean, school, like I say, wasn't wasn't bad, but it was, you had to just do it really, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and I had an older brother, well, I've got several siblings, but my older brother was 
the year of two years above me. So he went off and did a and it was sort of he, whatever he was doing. I was like, well, I'm going to beat him. Um, <laughs> a bit of competitiveness yeah, there with the sibling rivalry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, just did the GCSEs because that that's what you did, and then always had in my head that I'd go and do A levels. So about that time, we did work experience. I said to my dad, "Oh, can you get me a job and?" or a placement somewhere and he uh, spoke to someone he knew and I got a two-week placement at a company called Channel X. We were working on a show called Joe Brand Through the Cake Hole 2 right. and uh, so the first week I was so in what the did office. That, yeah what did that involve? I was going to say yeah. yeah go on so you're in the office yeah. So the first week I was in the office and I had to make tea and load and empty the dishwasher and um answer the phones if no one was around and I enjoyed that I was you know I liked it in the office and then the second week we were in the studio uh recording the show and it was a tiny little studio that doesn't exist anymore in South London and it was out of an OB and, and what's the an OB Sarah just for those that don't know right, an, an outside broadcast truck yeah. so it wasn't a proper studio with a gallery and everything mm-hmm. it was an OB like they do for football and things like that mm-hmm. and the director was a man called Declan Lowney who um, went on to do Father Ted and he was so kind I cannot tell you and so we got talking and he said you know if you're ever not busy you can come and sit in here and I'll show you what what we do so that was it I was winging my way through all the jobs I was like the fastest runner in the west if you like and then I'd be in the OB (laughs) Um, (laughs) and he um, would would then tell me what he was doing about the the cameras and he would say you know this is the shot on the camera at the moment and camera two is going to be next so I've got that lined up and he explained it to me and he, like I say he was just so lovely everyone was lovely but he was particularly lovely and at the end of the week he said what are you doing in the next couple of weeks and I said well I'll go back to school and then I'm on summer holiday and he said oh well in your holiday do you want to come to the edit and see what we've made here you know and I was like oh yes please and he phoned and he said come here on this day so I did and that was at Molinaire and I went in all nervous hello it's a big thing isn't it so so Molinaire is a post-production house in Soho um hello I'm Sarah McGettigan I think I'm meant to be here and I was all worried that he'd have forgotten about me and all the rest of it and they said no Sarah absolutely come on through um and we went into the edit and the editor was there and Declan was there then they explained to me, you know, the post-production process. So I'd d- done the pre-production in the office, I'd done the production in the studio, and then I got to see the editing. I got to choose the background of the credits, and it was Chelsea <laughs> Blue. Amazing. Amazing. And, uh, <laughs> I always remember that. And like I say, so he was just, and that was it. I was in love. I was like, this is my industry. What a nice man. This was so fun. It's great. So, again, then I was doing my GCSEs and back to school, but I then... When I left that day, I spoke to one of the runners at Molinaire and said, who do I speak to to get a job? So running Molinaire at the time were two amazing women called Nikki and Vicky. And they said that I could come in and work shifts and weekends around my school. Well, in the summer holidays and, and um, around my school times. And they were just so amazing and sort of taught me how to be a boss really looking back on it you know there was things like you know if you worked past 11 you got a taxi home at night so I'd worked at quite a few places but mainly Molinaire and then mainly the farm and so I said to the people at the farm you know can I have a job and at that point I was 
I knew that I didn't want to do post-production. I didn't like sitting in dark rooms in the choir. So <laughs> um, um, even though you've be... done all those running jobs, you were like, actually, post isn't for me. That's interesting. No, yeah. But it was, a, it was a very good, it was, it was good to get to know people, which I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was good for the holiday jobs, if you know what I mean. It was sort yeah. of year-round work. Yeah, I didn't, but I did say to uh, my boss at, my, at the farm, Mark, you know, if I, when I finish my A-levels, would you give me a job? then I thought well that will start and I'll move and he said yes and I said fine and I said to my mum and dad I don't think I'm going to go to uni well I don't need to because I could get a job at the farm and he said well no you don't need to but it's really really fun <laughs> and you'll be working for a long time so why don't you have three years of yeah. fun yeah and then you'll still get a job after you know if they'll give you a job now they'll give you a job then just go to uni and I said fine I'll have a look um, <laughs> so I then said well if I get into Bournemouth I did the research and I was like well I'm going to do a TV media type degree mm-hmm. if, if I get into Bournemouth I'll go if I don't get into Bournemouth I won't okay I'll go into Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> the fate so, was lime <laughs> yeah. um so I went and he was absolutely right it was great fun and three of the best years of my life um you don't regret that decision don't regret no. that decision at all no. it was brilliant and I did TV and video so it was a nice practical course there was lots of running around with cameras we went all over. I went up Big Ben. I've wound the clock up St. Stephen's Tower, St. Elizabeth's oh, wow. Tower, as it's called now. No one else has done that, wow. just because we had cameras. Uh, so, we, yeah, we did a load, lots and lots of my course. It was a very small course, and a lot of them are working in the industry to this day. Um, their HOPs, their directors, their camera supervisors, jib operators. Yeah, so on that course, I realised I wasn't very creative. There's a director working today very well called Dave Lambert. And he was on my course. And we had to do this scene very early days uh, of uh, basically show a wine glass on the table was the end result of this shot that we had to do. Mm-hmm. And I just went, well, there you go, wine glass on the table, done, hey! <laughs> um, and Dave did all this, like, trombone zoom and panned <laughs> up the table leg and, you know, all of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that looks better. Uh, <laughs> that's what I should have done. So that was fine. And but I was, you know, just doing it, learning cameras, learning about mics, learning about editing, which I was right. I hated. Okay, um, So that post-production for you thing still wasn't it kind of no, reconfirmed that for you as yeah. well. OK, um, you know, we had to do it and, and I did it, but I didn't like it. One of my other friends, Tom, is an editor now and he used to come in and go, are you OK? And I'd be like, no, I'm going crazy, Tom, can you help me? Um, yeah, but like I say, learned a lot and met a lot of people. And, and loved it but what that course did you did everything in the first year and then in the second and third years you chose a specialism right okay it'd be camera sound editing or production management and I went production management okay um which meant that when everyone was making their films which is what you had to do you took on that role for, for other people's films if you like okay. so I'd get one of the specialist cameras to do my camera and one of the specialist sound to do my sound and I'd organize it and I'd organize their shoots career-wise it was always going to head in that direction yeah and then so you finished at Bournemouth and then what did you do did you go and get more runner job did you find your first job at Pine? so in between in all the holidays in uni I'd been getting jobs either at post-production again back to the farm but also applying. So I had some work experience at Nickelodeon. Okay. 
um, which was my first experience of live TV and was like, oh, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was just the little inserts in between the cartoons on Nickelodeon and the okay. kids and I'd have to look after kids, but I had little brothers and sisters and I was fine with that. Again, make tea. And then I got talking to one of the production managers there. And after my two weeks work experience was finished, she had me back to help her on a show called The Early Worms, which was puppets. Okay. And again, that was brilliant. It, just something new. So I did that one summer. And then the next summer I got a job at Hattrick okay. as a runner on a production called Sex and Death. Okay. Which was great for answering the phone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, that was good. Uh, and I can't remember what I did the other summer. But so I was working in either post production, but trying to get more experience. Having being at Bournemouth helped with that because it was a sort of it's quite a well known course. So saying that you were doing that course was sort of gave you a little bit of a boost. And also, it was people that I had met while working on making their tea at Molinaire and whatever. I just. Mm. So you'd really built up your network by that point. Right, yes, write to them and say, can you, you know, can I come and work for you? What are you doing? So then when I left uni, I contacted Nickelodeon, contacted Hattrick and a few other people and the farm. Nickelodeon offered me a job, um, but it was in acquisition. Acquisition, yeah. 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 Um, So that was it. And then Hattrick said, yes, I could come, but I need to be an office runner for a year. That was their policy. And I was like, oh, I've been a runner for quite a long time Yeah, because by that point, you'd already done it for a number of years, right? Yeah, three years yeah nearly five then. years. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I heard that Pinewood had opened TV studios. And through Nickelodeon, through Joe Brand, through the Keiko, I knew that studio was my favourite bit. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, well, see if I can get a job there. So I called them up, came in for an interview. The guy running it at the time sort of brought me in for an interview and said yeah you can we need a runner and I said I really don't want to be a runner mm. <laughs> and he went, I've already done that yeah yeah he said all right well we'll call you a resource coordinator but until we get a runner you'll have to kind of do both and I said fine that's fine <laughs> okay no problem I can make you know and it was brilliant because Pinewood had literally just started doing telly then they they'd done half of one show it'd been open about three weeks okay so really was, new Really new, really crazy. Everyone there was just like, "Ah, we need to move this over there or whatever. And just as I was starting, we were starting to do Weakest Link and My Family. Um, So they were the two shows that we were working on. And um, in the office with uh, two women, Sears and Katie, and they were facilities manager and facilities coordinator. And so Mm -hmm. I was there underneath. And so they would book all the kit and book all the crew and sort out the that side of the productions and then there was two studio managers over in the uh, studio and that sounds like it was like a baptism of fire just kind of everything hands-on it was just make it make it happen as a team yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then saying it also Pinewood at that time was was quite old-fashioned you know Mm -hmm. it's changed so much over the years that I've been there but at that time they'd never had tv they didn't have public on site so no, we were okay. saying, oh, we've got audiences. And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, we work in the evenings. What? But everything closes at four. We're like, oh, not anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, what, a, what a change of culture to go through and be part yeah. of. That's extraordinary. Um, 
and it but it was brilliant like I say it was it was so fun um and getting to know all the crew because again back then there was just about mobile phones but not everyone had an email so you you'd literally have to phone everyone up to give them their call time for the next day and half the time it was home numbers so I'd be phoning their wives or their husbands <laughs> and being like oh hello John can you tell Judy she needs to be in at nine o'clock tomorrow? <laughs> you know? That's extraordinary, isn't it? I think we forget how analog everything was. It's, oh. You know, it's happened in such a short time. The the speed the of technology, change, yeah. yeah, the change, yeah, it's um, amazing. But yeah, so we had to phone them. So you know, you'd it take ages, but you'd have a nice chat with everyone. So you did get to know a load of people, and it was again, it's just such a great environment to work in. Yeah. In terms of you know, you're coming in, you're doing something quite fun. And then at the end of every project, you have a nice party. <laughs> do you think that though, do you, did you see those organisational skills that you talked about when you were kind of 14, 15? Did you see them coming to fruition when you were undertaking those kind of roles? Oh, 100%. There was, yeah. a, there was a point when I, when I first started and Susan Katie had a kind of, they had their rhythm going, you know, they did this bit and she did this bit. And I was like, can I help, can I help, can I help? And they were like, oh, no, we've got it. It's all right, really. Yeah. And Katie went on holiday and I could just sort of see Sue's drowning a bit. And I was like, what can I do? Tell me yeah. something to do. And uh, so she still do this. And I did it and, you know, did it well, did it fast. What else can I do? Come on, I'm useful. Yeah. Come, let's go. Yeah. Um, and that was it then. Sue's was like, oh, all right, she's good. Fine. Um, and yeah, trained me up. And, and yes, it was, you know, the organisational skills. And also, I mean, I think one of the biggest things you need and something I look for in terms of when employing people is kind of unflappable. So you've just got mm. to be very calm. You know, when, when whatever's happening, you're just, I'll deal with that. I'll sort it out. Don't worry about it. You've got to be the calm one. Like I say, I think robust is, is a quality we need resilience and, and, you know, that kind of just be calm, just don't play into the drama. The drama's yeah. for the front of the camera, not behind it. Yeah, really interesting. And the other thing that really strikes me from everything you were saying in those kind of early roles that you had, it's just about the communication skills that you had to have. You know, if you're spending two hours on the phone calling everybody to get their call times, that takes a lot of communication because you're talking, as you say, to family members, to to crew, to ta you know, that's that's quite a lot of ensuring that you've got good communication and everybody's happy and that you're leaving everybody feeling though they're in control of the situation they know what their day is going to be like that's yeah uh, communication is key I think in in absolutely everything and every role um it's such a team effort certainly studio based but all, all tv any any tv you do it's it, there's there's different teams doing different things and all of them need to work together and the production management side of things need to know everything yeah and that's sort of our our skill in in a way is not taking over but you need to tell me what you're doing and they need to know that and, and what you're doing over here affects this person over there so I'll make sure that they know mm -hmm. um, and that kind of overview is very important I think yeah so then so you've stayed at Pinewood since then ever <laughs> not forever I think it's amazing because there aren't many people with careers like that now no. actually that a lot of people do wiggly careers but actually Pinewood has been your home for so long so what I've got so many questions about that but what has made you what has made you stay at Pinewood what has made it kind of the career path for you well 
I mean, there's been times when I've thought about leaving over the years, but it, it, it's changed a lot. So yeah, that that's the sure. sort of key thing is that it's always been innovating and changing mm -hmm. and moving forward. So every time I've thought, oh, maybe I don't, and there's something new and I think, oh, that sounds quite fun. I might stay around and do that. Um, <clears throat> and I've moved around a lot. So I, I started as, as like I say, this resource coordinator made up role runner. <laughs> I love that it was made up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then became facilities coordinator, I think I was called, but was booking the kit and booking the crew. And like I said, people left and, and you know, Steve left and Sue's left and suddenly there was just sort of me there. Um, and that was the start of, I suppose, my real, oh, this is this is nice, because it was, it was going out. Um, they decided then that they were going to give us sort of account manager roles. So some, so I had all the big ones, basically. I had BBC and Talkback and ITV and, well, everyone, basically. And uh, Zephyrtron, um, Avalon, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'd just go and talk to them. And I used to spend a day a week at TV Centre, um, it's called Pinewood Thursdays. Um, <laughs> I'd say I'll be in the coffee shop because there was so much BBC stuff. There was children's and drama and, uh, you know, shiny floor, entertainment, comedy. Um, so it was just easier for me to be there. And they all knew yeah. that if they needed a studio or just needed to talk about whatever, you know, I. so be that there. was great. Yeah. And so I do that with all of these companies and just go in and take them out for lunch or go in and meet them, tell them about what we had. Because it was at, at that point that, my family and weakest link had come to an end okay. so it was we had so to they were, and they were kind of to your biggest shows in the, yes. in the studio and then yeah. they you know um and that was great and and so I did that for a good few years uh I then was doing that and I was doing a great job and I was bringing in loads of money and I kept thinking oh they're gonna promote me any any minute now they're gonna promote me no any minute now like, I, I definitely did the best this year but no oh I didn't ask though I think we assume exactly that, that actually people are going to just say, oh, actually, we're going to promote you rather than actually saying, well, actually, can I, I, deserve can I have, I deserve. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's um, so, so important. So, so important. important. So if I could go back and tell myself then, you're doing a great job, go and tell them you're doing a great job and yeah. then you want to pay a promotion. I didn't know. So I went off and had my kids and that, that again, I suddenly realised, you know, I am good at this job. I am important to the company. So I became sales manager then. And then a couple of years later, I think I just said, just put me in charge of the whole lot, please. Um. <laughs> and, you, and you went to them again to say yes. that? Yeah. Um, it, it, like I say, things were moving around, people were moving around, and I was just like, just let me run it. Um, and that's and your they, current title, isn't it, in your current yes. role? So then, what, then they, what does that involve on a day-to-day -day basis then, Sarah? Well, what does that you're right. So you're running the TV studios. You're making running, it all yes. happen. You're running the teams. But I imagine no day is the same because you've got different shows coming in and out. And, you know, there's kit to uh, change and to be an innovation happening as well as teams to manage. What, <laughs> uh, yeah, it must, a combination of all of those things. I'm yes, sure. it is. And it's, it's great. And I have the best team, honestly. Even people in Pinewood say, oh, my God, you're not great. And I'm like, I know. I know they are, <laughs> yes, they, are. they are brilliant so yes I run the business so sort of the buck stops with me which is quite terrifying when you know something happens you turn around to look for the adult and then, uh, <laughs> I'm the adult you are in charge uh, but yes I've got a, a small but brilliant team I've got two studio managers who book all the kit book all the crew organize the productions they'll take a production each um 
And then I've got two technical managers. And again, they sort of work alongside the studio managers doing the technical stuff. I've got a scenic supervisor. I've got a sales manager who does my old role. Uh, I've got a coordinator and I've got three engineers. Okay. And between that, that's it. That's our... That's your team. And then obviously on the days that we've got shows in, we've got freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, m- run the business, manage that team who also manage their own areas of, of stuff. And yeah, no two days are the same. Some days I'm taking people out for lunch. Some days I'm, you know, moving furniture around because there's <laughs> no one else in to do it. Uh, you know, some days I'm putting on a posh frock and going to a award show. God, it's so fascinating. I could sit here all day talking to you about this. But um, what do you think is the best thing about working in that TV studio environment? For those that are, are young people or um, other people that are just looking into the media industry, what is it for you that makes you come alive when you're like, actually, I'm working in this TV studio environment? What is it that's... I mean, it's the people. It is. Mm. Honestly, I just think TV people are lovely um, and all our clients are lovely and they're all happy to be there and all our freelancers are lovely and they're all happy to be there. So people make it for me, but also it's cool. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you're making Taskmaster or would I lie to you? But mm-hmm. people love it. And, you know, yeah. if you say to someone, what do you do? I run a TV studio. Oh, have you watched this show? I love that show. I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that you were involved in the production and making of yeah. that TV show. Um, yeah. Carry on. And, and just saying, like you say, to the young people out there, when you think that there's my role, but there's so many other roles as well. We're not making the shows. We're we're helping. You know, we're supplying stuff. Um, but you're involved. You're you're close. And if you're good at physics. You can be a special effects person. If you're good at woodwork, you can be a scene cop. If you're good at, like, whatever you're good at, there yeah. is definitely a job in yeah. the studio for you. Yeah, and I suppose that was my point about the organisational skills earlier. Like, you rec- that you were already recognising at a young age that actually these are the skills, but they can be utilised in a completely different way. So what advice would you give to people looking into the industry and specifically going, okay, Sarah's job does sound cool. <laughs> it does sound very cool. And she is working in one of the most famous studios in the world, like Pinewood is renowned. How do, how do they get their foot in the door? What should they be looking to do? What kind of roles should they be looking at? Well, do they look I, at Pinewood's, Pinewood's website, for example? What, what what tips can you give them? Yes, so Pinewood's, any, any roles at Pinewood are advertised on our website. Um, so keep looking there. I would say go, if you're interested in studios, go to studio shows. The audience tickets are free. Um, I used to do that all the time when I was at yeah. school. I used to go out to London studios and watch if I got news for you. And I think people and don't just... realise that either, that you can actually go and just sit yeah, in the audience. Go, watch them. The They're free. Yeah. It's fun. And, and like I say, you're watching the show, but I was also watching, I wonder what he's doing over there. And I wonder what that guy's doing. And oh, look, there's, you know. Yeah. Um, and you, you learn bits and pieces. And, and, and if you get any opportunity to talk to someone or to work, in an environment there's a (laughs) there's a fine line between you've got to be going for it you've got to be asking questions you've got to be asking for more you know I I want to work in this can I do this can I come in again tomorrow can I but you've got to not be annoying as well (laughs) yeah there's a fine line there isn't there fine line between too much and you know getting in people's way and and being eager and And, and passion is is everything. Um, as I said, you know, I'm looking for someone with resilience, with robustness, but also I want someone who loves it. Yeah. Because 
you know it, it is cool it is great you need you need that love because it is hard work it's unsociable hours I mean I say my job sounds cool I spend a lot of time talking about parking and toilets right? <laughs> well, so, that's an important part of the role right <laughs> rough with the smooth you know organization parking and toilets are important so yeah. There, there is a glamorous side to it, but there's also really hard work and, mm -hmm. like I say, unsociable hours. And if you don't love it, why would you do it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that can, especially in, in well, I think in, in most roles, you can teach what it is. You don't have to have a degree. Or you don't have to have a qualification. Obviously, if you're a spark, you do. But there's a lot you can just learn if you're the right kind of person. Yeah. Um, and that is... And that person, like I say, needs to be passionate, needs to be confident, needs to be able to communicate. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, love it. Well, you absolutely do love your job. Like, it's really clear from, from you know, the story you're telling around your career, but also your current role. Um, so I could sit here and talk to you all day, but we do need to finish up this episode. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Um, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming to join us today and sharing your story and your career and... um. Yeah, thank you again. And to, for anyone that uh, is interested in Pinewood, then as Sarah said, please do go and check out their website. Thanks so much, Sarah. Speak to you soon. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye.